0: I feel like
2: we can run the table. We're to do it. You are Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why, and how you can also find Locked on Packers on the all new Himalaya podcast app. Nothing really to talk about today. No no interesting topics, nothing going on. No, we have tremendous content to get to, and that is not just because Tyler Dunn is on the show today. The man who wrote the piece that launched a thousand Packers hot takes, uh, the massive Bleacher Report notebook dump of epic proportions when it comes to the Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy schism, the fracture, the chasm, all of the things, all of the adjectives that you want to use to describe the disconnect between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. That is what Tyler Dunn wrote about uh, a good Syracuse boy. And so he's going to be on the show a little bit later to talk about some of that stuff and, and have a frank conversation about it, because I know that there are. Questions that a lot of Packer fans have. I went out of my way to address some specific ones. Uh, There are plenty of things that if you want to have questions about a particular story, how it was executed, how it makes you feel, you're more than welcome to have those feelings. I, I don't think, and I have made this very clear over and over, I don't think that especially with someone like Ty, who is a respected, legitimate, and pedigreed journalist, someone who has covered this team for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, someone who has been given the faith and trust of athletes around sports as a profile writer, one of the best, if not the best profile writers we have in the business. And I'm not just saying that because he's on the show. He he's not even listening right now, so he can't. I mean, it's not even this. I'm not even fluffing him. This is just the reality and how I felt for a long time. If you want to criticize Greg Jennings or JerMichael Finley or anonymous sourcing, feel free. That's your prerogative. That's your right. Accusations about journalists making things up or not being on the level when it comes to sourcing—I just don't have time for it. Not people like Ty and and frankly, before this this conversation, we didn't have, you know, it's not like that Ty's my dude. He is in a in a sort of metaphoric sense because I've been a fan of his for a long time. Like I said, both Syracuse guys somehow didn't really cross paths at Syracuse. So it's not like I'm just protecting my friend. I respect Ty, and I have for a long time. And I, I think it's important that I defend his integrity against those that would say, oh, he just made that up. Oh, he's just trying to do this. Oh, he's just trying to do that. Even if we took accusations of bias into account, even if we did that, people still told him the things that he reported. So, I mean, that stuff is it's almost irrelevant because if what you want is the truth of the matter, then the conversations that are had. Greg Jennings is bitter for a reason. So if you want to dismiss something that Greg Jennings says, that's your right. But Greg Jennings had an experience. He hasn't been in the locker room since 2012. That is a criticism that Ty himself has said. Look, I get it. He He hasn't been in the locker room lately, but that doesn't make his experiences in that locker room void. It doesn't. And, and the, these are questions that, that I'm going to put to him and that you'll have the opportunity to hear him answer. I felt like I needed to speak for a lot of fans in addressing some of those questions because I know that they're out there. And it's my responsibility to get those answers for you. But I also felt it very important that, and it's why I went out of my way on social media to defend him against accusations of fake news and all of the ridiculous stuff that was out there. That's not fair. Just because someone reports something that you don't like doesn't mean that the reporting itself is a problem, that the reportage, if you will, is an issue. I don't think it was. The quotes are the quotes are the quotes. And people felt how they felt. And the, and the quotes reflect how they felt. Is that an all-encompassing look at the circumstances? Of course not. And that's okay. Because even if you write 5,000 words, you still have 5,000 more words of things to say. That's why Ty is going to come on the show. That's why we're going to talk about it. And he's going to say things... I'm sure, that are not in the story, and I'm going to ask him questions about stuff that that, that aren't specifically addressed in the story, and that's the point of, of today, because if you haven't read the story, you should. I'd be surprised if you haven't read the story and you're listening to this show, but if you haven't read the story, go do it, because that's the point of of this conversation with Tyler. He is... There's a lot in this piece, and we get to I think the most important stuff. We're gonna get to everything that that I think you're gonna want to know about, and I'll reiterate it because I think it's that important when it comes to the reporting. I, I'm gonna stand by Ty, and and you you're, you're not gonna knock me off that ledge. I will stand by the reporting that he did, the work that he did, because I trust him, and you have to you have to. Make those decisions for yourself about which journalists you're going to trust, which reporters you're going to trust, whose sources you're going to trust. There are plenty of guys who work in NFL circles who are NFL reporters who are right like 40% of the time and who you can't trust. Ty is one of those guys you can trust. These players and these coaches and these personnel people, they said the things that they said. There, There is no question in my mind about that. So whatever whatever else you want to say you're, you're more than welcome to say it. But the stuff that's reported, that was said. Someone feels that way, and, and we have to reckon with it because it matters moving forward. And that's also something we're going to talk to Ty about in just a second. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league.
1: Here, Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right. He is an NFL features writer at Bleacher Report. He used to cover the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Used to also cover the Buffalo Bills at the Buffalo News. A Daily Orange alum, Syracuse graduate, proud orangeman, Tyler Dunn, thank you for coming on Locked on Packers.
0: Hey, man, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it.
2: So we're going to talk draft. Is that cool?
0: Sounds great. And, you know, let's really <laughs> dig into these. Uh, maybe an offensive guard, maybe an inside linebacker, uh, maybe even a long
2: snapper, it. McGround. I love it. The, the fans would just be furious if we spent the first five minutes breaking down Caleb McGarry's tape or something like that. Uh, obviously, obviously, you are here to talk about the, the piece that you wrote for Bleacher Report on uh, the fracture between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, and, and I'm sure most of the people listening have already read maybe multiple times, um, as I have, what has been you know it's been a couple of days now what what has been the reaction that you've received whether it's players coaches people you talked to for the story people you didn't talk to for the story about the story itself
0: great question peter i mean when the story dropped i actually heard from three players prominent players um, that didn't want to talk you know on or off the record originally and then mm-hmm. they read it, and it was just that. Might, that might have been the most interesting reaction. There was uh, a one let's call him a, a long-time starter on those teams, that just uh, said, "Hey, looks like you uh, penetrated the bubble." You know, it's and there's another one that was around for a while that was just like, "Yeah, I, I could, I could give you more stories." So, I get it. You know, in the aftermath, you're going to. Uh, you're gonna hear from Aaron Rodgers' supporters, which is great. I mean they sure. should speak up um you know and, and there's a few that came to his defense and I'm, I'm sure Aaron rodgers will, will will speak as well uh but just you know when you're seeking information that um players and the team don't want out i mean it's you there there is that game involved and, and the readers hey, they can, they can trust it they cannot trust it that's their prerogative, but I was around for. You know, four and a half years and they've uh, kept in touch with a lot of guys and been around the NFL and those players around and I'm pretty confident in, in these relationships and these conversations but yeah it was uh it's been a pretty interesting 72 hours here
2: you mentioned the Aaron Rodgers defenders um and what has been really interesting to me is it doesn't seem like there have been Mike McCarthy defenders other than Mike himself was there stuff that you know just didn't make it into the piece, or is the consensus more or less that, that he earned his ticket out the door?
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the. Um, I mean, the, the the overriding sentiment from from players, coaches, scouts, and it and it's not even really like you know, it's not so black and white. I, I don't think that there's players who just hate Mike McCarthy. I think there's players who say, "Look, the guy was around for a decade mm-hmm. plus." That's really rare. You don't see that often. It ran its course. I mean, Ryan Grant. I mean, I can't thank him enough for his time. I thought he put it best that my, I, I liked Mike. He was a good coach when his offense was clicking. Um, it was unstoppable. But after so many years, if you're Aaron Rodgers, the message becomes "quote unquote" white noise. Um, I think that was the case maybe for a lot. And mm-hmm. there was, uh, it, you know, that's it's a good question because the one uh, defensive starter. Uh, that I referenced in that Mike McCarthy section of the story, Uh, didn't want his name attached, which I understand because he wanted to be as honest as possible. He started the the conversation by saying, I, I liked Mike. He was a great coach. And then for an hour, it was like he was breaking down all the reasons that Mike McCarthy kind of sank the ship. And, and then he, he like caught himself. and He was like, yeah, I guess, I guess he is the reason that, the Packers kind of plummeted here. And, you know, he's talking about the Seattle NFC Championship game. And his analogy he didn't make the story. But he, he was talking about the movie The Perfect Storm. I don't know how many people saw it. But on how, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, he was in it. it um, George Clooney and, and all those guys are out on a ship. And they're catching all the fish in the world. And he's like, we knew it, in that game, even though we were killing the Seahawks, it, this was a soft team. I mean, it was who we were. Like, when Aaron Rodgers went down, everybody quit. And eventually that softness would bubble to the surface. Eventually that that storm would capsize the ship, and and that's what it did with four minutes to go. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, there were people who supported him that thought he was a good coach. But uh, I I think that everybody, the majority of people involved would agree it was time. I mean, it was time for, for everybody to split, and they should have split much, much sooner.
2: Yeah, I want to ask about that because we didn't really see the issues between McCarthy and Rogers manifest themselves on the field in an ugly way, I guess, in a football sense, until last season. Uh, you indicated in the story that this was a problem that grew over time and and potentially got worse. The struggles of the last two years, um, you, you know, obviously bringing a lot of it to a to the fore. There was never really a blow-up moment and that was something you mentioned, but but did you ever get an indication there was you know a touchstone, a game where Rodgers was just like, I'm done with this?
0: I really thought it was that NFC championship game. I mean, that was the last game I, mm. I covered off uh, of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, before shuffling out back to Buffalo and I, I really thought that that was the moment. I mean, everybody can remember that game. I mean, it was just a, a collapse on like, anything I've seen in my lifetime and a lot went into it. You know, if there's If Brandon Bostic is recovering an onside kick, if he's blocking his man out, if they just get the ball there, they're going to the Super Bowl. But as people kind of kindly pointed out, Brandon Bostic should not have been in that situation, and that's a black eye on Mike McCarthy's resume. And, by the way, he kicked field goals from the one-yard line, the two-yard line in the first half. Mm -hmm. And, by the way, he ran the ball three times at the teeth of the defense when Aaron Rodgers wanted to be aggressive, wanted to throw it, and just clinched the win. So, I, th- I felt like that was the moment because you kind of saw it in Aaron Rodgers in that press conference after the, the frustration of not being mm-hmm. aggressive. He hinted at it in so many words. It seemed like maybe that was the time, but that was almost the problem. They were always one of the best NFL teams right there year after year after year, making the playoffs eight years in a row. So it's not like there was a 3-13 and 13 dud mixed in that would – compel Ted Thompson to just reboot and Ted Thompson didn't want to reboot so this thing no. kind of dragged on you know there could have been um, maybe there was blow ups that we didn't see everything I heard is that moment of just reckoning yeah these these two went at it we saw them go at it publicly on TV often but there wasn't that true like come to Jesus moment when there, there should have been and they just never really saw eye to eye it's just too bad that Ted Thompson could never really see that.
2: Yeah, I think if you if you use that NFC Championship game uh as as a touchstone and look at how Aaron Rodgers has played since then, aside from the stretch early in 2017 when Rodgers before he broke his collarbone and then the run the table stretch, yeah. all the other football that Rodgers has played since that game Has really been mediocre, and that's—I mean—that I think that that underscores, or perhaps sells, your point on this. Uh, I want to ask about this um, because Packer fans have a complicated relationship, as you know, with Greg Jennings and JerMichael Finley because of things they've said in the past. Right. You've covered the team; you know that. Um, Did you did you have any concern? Maybe concern is the wrong word. Any sense? Um, about how they would be viewed by fans of this team in particular. Obviously, you didn't write the story just for Packer fans.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, 100%. I mean, I can't tell you how much I thought about that. Um, I mean, you've covered this team for a while, followed this team for a while. I mean, just just like I have, I knew that that was going to be the, um, the instant dismissal by fans, whatever you right. want to call it. Like, oh, you know F those guys, and that's basically what one coach told me that me put in the story. When I, right. when I brought this up, he said, F those guys. Like, <laughs> screw them. Like, and Ryan Grant didn't use that word, but he pretty much said the same thing. Like, hey, attention's mm-hmm. uh, an interesting thing. The way I look at it is Greg Jennings was Aaron Rodgers' number one receiver at the peak of Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. offense. You know, he was there for four-plus years as the number one guy for Aaron Rodgers. Jermichael <laughs> Finley was his number one tight end for four years. I mean, they mm-hmm. they saw the rise. Um, they, they were there at a moment when the, the honeymoon period that we referenced, when everything seemed to be just, when, when everything just seemed to be perfect. And the confetti seemed to be right. just sticking to these guys' clothing. I mean, I was there. And, you know, myself, other reporters, it's not like we really probed anybody at the time on the relationship because, Everybody just assumed it was fine and assumed that Aaron Rodgers was <laughs> a leader. I mean, how could he not be? Look look at the product on the field. And right. little did we know that there was all of this other stuff kind of brewing um, in the background. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Greg just about that and said, look, and these, you know what's going to happen. Like, you know that what these fans are, are going to do when they see what, what you say because it's, it's happened before. And, and that's why I wanted to put that line in there, like, Like that, he is self-aware. He gets it. Like he he knows that his Twitter mentions are going to blow up, but he wants (laughs) to put his name on it, and he feels that he might be speaking for some other people too that don't want to put their name on it, and he just wanted to show instead of two. I mean, that might have been when the light bulb went off in this reporting. It when Greg Jennings has taken you know forty-five minutes to an hour in a conversation at an airport. I could hear the stuff in the background because he wants to talk, and he's he's bringing up all the examples like he, he's bringing this to life and uh, i think he was talking on uh, fox sports one the other day and, and even said look there's a lot more that i could get into that you know for a later date look he left the team in you know tw- after the 2012 season so there's been a lot of football since then i, I get it and i think there are people i talk to who do believe john rogers has well, as a leader, you know, that he's improved in that department since then. Still, mm-hmm. what I hear, is not a role he really embraces. I mean, he, he would just like to play football. I think he would just yeah. really like to play, do his thing, let other people worry about the leaders like they, like they did in 2009 to 2012 when they kind of self-policed, as Ryan Grant said, and, and just play ball. And, but he can't. He's 35 years old. Everybody's looking up to him.
2: Yeah. uh, So uh, I wanted to ask about these. So there's there are a couple specific lines in here that are uh, uh, Rogers feels a certain type of way about Mike McCarthy because of specific reasons to McCarthy. There is the intelligence line, which I thought was startling. The Alex Smith stuff we've known about that that Uh he's got a chip on his shoulder about that to Mike McCarthy specifically. And if he's missing meetings, I mean, Rodgers is just not going to work for him. Right. But how much of this toxicity was specifically Rodgers and this coach versus what Rodgers and, and his attitude might be for another coach?
0: I, that's, a good, that's a good question because really the question I was posing to everybody was just what the hell happened in Green Bay. I wanted to keep right. it general. And take it wherever you want to take it. And, look, that goes a lot of different directions. Um, it goes the Ted Thompson direction, which you know, there's people who bang the table for both McCarthy and Rodgers and say, look, they were both playing with one – playing coach with one hand tied behind their back because, because of this. Um, but more so often than not, the conversation naturally steers to the two most important people in the organization, the quarterback, the head coach, that relationship. And I I think it's a mixture, Peter. I think it's like, there is a a lot of it is their relationship with each other and how that never really turned a corner. And a lot of it is how they kind of operated um, individually and whether that's Mike McCarthy trying to take on the more CEO approach and stepping back. And uh, look, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if anybody's exactly sure how many times he wasn't there because he was getting the massage in his office. But the point of that is he was trying to empower other coaches that didn't bother some players. It did bother other players to, to see their coach just not be around for offensive meetings. I know Mike McCarthy said team meetings in his rebuttal or was offensive meetings. Um, it, it did take off some guys, including Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fact. So that's where that connection was maybe made. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the leadership style, and, and him starting to do more of his own thing year after year after year, yeah, that, I think that ticked off Mike McCarthy because he felt maybe he was the reason for the success early, and eventually that came to a head as well. So it is just kind of, I don't know if I'm even answering your question, it is like this mix of, yeah, it's the relationship, yeah, it's a lot of stuff they're doing on their own, and when they're the two most important people in the organization, that stuff's just, just going to clash and be a problem.
2: Right. Well, it, you know, the, the, the question is a way of pushing forward now because Mike McCarthy is not the coach of the Packers right. anymore. Right. So, you know, you have this anecdote uh, that has gotten a lot of play. It was, the, it was the, the line that stood out to me above everything else, and that was Mark Murphy telling Aaron Rodgers when he was um, breaking the news to him about Matt LaFleur, saying, don't be the problem. So, uh, you know, let's say Matt LaFleur is smart. Let's say he works hard. Based on the reporting you've done, based on everything that, that you know about this topic from your experiences and your reporting, do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the problem?
0: Mm. Whew, I've been really taking the cop-out answer on this one because I really don't know. <laughs> I, I know it's... It's a, I, I wish I had a hot take for you here. I I don't know. It can go one direction or, or the other, and I do know that the Packers are are gonna uh, uh, best they can. I mean, he's gonna have their full support. They 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 were blown away by this guy in, in the interview process, and and they view him. I think when especially this cycle of head coach hires, we tended to, to think they were all quarterback hires, and. You know, mm-hmm. the Sean McVay coaching tree is, like, blooming before our very eyes because all these teams want to find the perfect coach for their quarterback. That wasn't the case in Green Bay. Everything I've heard is they, they really just think Matt LaFleur is going to be a fantastic coach for the entire team, re-energize the entire team. And and that—that that is what Mark Murphy has been stressing to everybody who will listen. And that's what I've been told anyways. And in that conversation, I think, yeah, that was the – you know, I, I don't know if he was, you know, it's not like he had a, a gun to Aaron Rodgers' head and was saying, don't be the problem. It was... Right. It, Mark Murphy is about as nice of a team president as you'll ever encounter. You know, very laid-back kind of guy. And in his own style, it sounds like that was kind of the message. Just don't be the problem. Don't be the problem. We don't need the bad headlines. Let's let's get this thing moving in one direction. Trying to re-energize him, in, in a sense. So... I know uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, it sounds like they had a report that the Packers just, they thought that it was maybe mischaracterized, however you want to put it. The big picture to me is, like, they made this decision without the approval of Aaron Rodgers. And this is a team hire. So the fact that they're behind this coach tells me that um, if problems do arise, that there's going to be... Look, they just paid the guy a hundred million dollars. They're not just going to cut him loose. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do think that they, they're not going to give him that benefit of the doubt that maybe he's had for years.
2: Sure. I, I guess the the this this will be the last thing that I have, and, and I wanted to ask you about that line specifically. You, you, I mean, I assume you didn't have a recording of it, so you, you cannot in you know infer any any kind of. Um, meaning from it, but I guess uh, my my per- my perception of it, and and if you did like, feel free to to armchair psychologize about it. Um, but I guess uh, there were two ways that that I thought you could look at it. One was that the team was genuinely concerned, or at least thought it was possible that Rogers would be a problem. And number two. Was basically, you know, let's say divorced parents, they're bringing home their new boyfriend for the first time and they go to their oldest and they say, hey, listen, give this guy a chance and <laughs> and and let's have this all work out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can see I can see that analogy applying here for sure. And I, I think that I think that conversation is, look, it, I mean, it's we, Mike McCarthy talked about it himself. Um, to Rob Domofsky in that Q and A, and how he wasn't thrilled with how he was let go. I mean, we we know that Mark Murphy mm-hmm. decided to finally you know, move on and fire Mike McCarthy. So it's like, it this isn't like Mark Murphy picking sides and saying, "Look, I was a big, I was a big Mike McCarthy guy, and I believed in him." And why were you the problem? No, I mean, he fired the guy. Like he's right. Like Aaron Rodgers won that power struggle. He won. I mean, and they right. paid him. Like it's. <laughs> It's not like Mark Murphy hates Aaron Rodgers. Like, obviously not. Like, they paid him a lot of money and they fired his coach. So now it's like, look, we're bringing in this guy. Like, don't be the problem. <laughs> it's like, we got to get this moving in the right direction. Like, we were – not to quote him, to paraphrase, it's like, you you won. I mean, you. We're, we believe in you through all this. They paid him earlier than they really needed to as well. That's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think the fact that there may be – stepping in putting the foot down at all speaks volumes because um it, it hasn't really happened in green bay
2: yeah ty i appreciate you taking the time uh, i'm sure you've you've had a lot of requests and your attention has been pulled in a lot of different directions over the last couple of days so i appreciate you being on and uh, we'll have to have you back during the season and and talk some ball
0: hey man i'd, I'd love to let's let's make it happen and i'm just glad we could finally uh Chat after never chatting those years at Syracuse. How did we never cross paths? It just blows my mind.
2: Impossible. I'm I'm 100 sure at some point we had a slice of Auggie's pizza at that <laughs> at that divey little place yeah. uh, more than once. Maybe so. a
0: 2 a.m. pizza pit run. You know, <laughs> that could have been mixed in there.
2: I can neither confirm nor deny that that I had ever been at Peter Pit at 2 a.m.
0: <laughs> or Jimmy Jazz. That was always a tough decision. Right. They're right next door to each other on Marshall
2: Street. <laughs> All right, Ty, I appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you. All right, I want to thank Ty again for joining the show. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at tydunn. D u n n e. Find his work at Bleacher Report. And I understand that in a lot of Packer circles on on Cheesehead Nation in terms of the fans, he is persona non grata. Uh, But I think that conversation is really helpful context because, I mean, you heard it. There's stuff in there that's not in the story. And there's insight that he offered that that is not being reported in print on Bleacher Report. He's on the show giving it to you. That's what we do here. I want to give you context. That is always my goal here is to maximize the context that I can provide for you. So Ty is is gracious to come on. I'm sure he's been pulled in a million different directions. So again, Ty, thanks for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. And it is it does seem impossible to me that we were never in a class together, that we were never at a game together, never. It's just crazy that he was at Syracuse for three of the four years that I was. I'm a, I'm a year older than he is. And somehow we never cross paths. It it seems impossible, but here we are. So, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski anytime you have questions. We are going to get to more draft stuff. But, look, Packers, you're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers today if you haven't already. There's more to come, plenty more to discuss on the show and elsewhere. So, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Packers. Remember, you can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating, a five-star review. Help us spread the word about Locked On Packers. This is always what I try to bring you, the added context to whatever Packer Nation is talking about. So that's that's what we do here. So let other people know that you listen and, and you like to listen. It's Make a Friend Monday. So go tell a friend about Locked On Packers. I think today is about as good a day as any as I could offer you to give to someone else as a reason to find this show and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to always stay Locked On Packers
1: Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network but why stop now?